Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Good Roads Podcast. I am Jared LeMay, and look who's back, back again. Thomas is back. Tell a friend. Our first advocacy day since the start of the pandemic. Uh, did preparations have you running in circles, Thomas? Uh, that's to say the least, Jared, yes. Uh, if it was just in circles, I think I'd be happy. It was circles, squares, triangles, and everything else, all the other shapes. Um, but I'm just... <laughs> I think it was all worth it, and I'm glad it's in the past, but uh, we have a lot of uh, follow-up to, to begin now. But uh, yeah, uh, glad I can be back onto the, po- the podcast where I think I rightfully belong. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll have Rachel fighting with you for that position uh, in the next couple episodes, but we'll see. Anyway, um, I, I do hope we do get the podcast or the Advocacy Day episode of the podcast out um, sometime as it's an important aspect of Good Roads. It's uh, not very talked about in an area where Good Roads makes a lot of progress working with the provincial government to help municipalities create and maintain the best roads in Canada. But uh, moving on from there and on to today's topic, uh, touted as an effective method to reduce speeding in uh, school and community safety zones, but also mired in a haze of poor publicity and public perception, automated speed enforcement cameras can be a useful tool if utilized correctly. Coming off a webinar explaining how to determine if ASE, automated speed enforcement, is an effective tool for your municipality, and here to lift the veil on some of the questions and possibly some misinformation about the technology, Executive Director of the Ontario Traffic Council, and if you made it to last year's Good Roads Conference, a speaker on the Open Streets panel, Jeff Wilkinson. It's good to see you again, Jeff. Thanks for taking the time to discuss automated speed enforcement with us. This is a topic that uh, I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, probably have some big misunderstandings about and therefore some negative perception. Thanks, Jared. Happy to be here. And uh, yeah, it's an exciting topic and one that's uh, near and dear to me in terms of helping the province to develop the program. But it's also a great time to talk about it because it comes up all the time at Christmas parties. So, hey, Jeff, I have a ticket from the Automated Speed Enforcement, and uh, tell me all about it. <laughs> and we're walking into Christmas party season pretty soon. Yeah, Jeff, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what kind of Christmas parties you attend, but I can I can honestly say that's never come up at any, any well, not even any party that I've attended. To be obviously, sure. the best darn Christmas parties in town, Thomas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, um, let, let's dive into this. Um, just so everybody's on the same page and we get a good starting point, uh, give us a quick, uh, I guess, top-down view of what ASE is and what its goals are. Sure. So automated speed enforcement is a, is a program um, that or I guess the provincial government uh, put in place through legislation and regulation to allow municipalities uh, to operate speed enforcement cameras uh, within uh, community safety zones and school zones. So really it's, a, it's a, an enforcement tool, one of many tools that municipalities have um, that they can take advantage of in order to eliminate, or you can never eliminate, but I would say to reduce the, the speed problems um, in school zones and community safety zones. So really one of the core, core objectives is to change driver behavior um, by imposing a fine on drivers for exceeding the posted speed limits. Okay, there's um, a lot to unpack there. And yeah. um, over the next uh, little bit, I'm hoping we can uh, unpack a lot of that. Um, so I guess the right off the bat, um, Good Roads is a big advocate of Vision Zero. Um, how does ASE support Vision Zero and um, if at all? Yeah, well, I think one of the big things around Vision Zero is, you know, that the philosophy of, of eliminating all traffic 
fatalities and serious injuries. Um, so enforcement and especially automated speed enforcement is, is a great tool uh, to be able to focus on, on that. So looking at enforcement as a, a means, again, of changing driver's behavior. Um, looking at reducing speeds as well. So that's, that's really one of the critical parts, I think, that relates back to, to Vision Zero. So I think we all understand that the, the, the higher the rate of speed um, when you have a collision involving a pedestrian, um, the greater the chance of that person becoming seriously injured or, or dying. Um, so there's research that's out there that states, you know, if you're going 30 kilometers per hour and you strike a pedestrian, that pedestrian has a 5% chance of, uh, of dying or becoming uh, actually of dying um, from that collision. Um, that increases 40 kilometers per hour. That increases to 15% chance of that pedestrian dying. Uh, at 50 kilometers per hour, it's 40%. And then 60 kilometers per hour, it's actually 70%. Wow. So if we can focus on reducing speeds, uh, we'll focus then on eliminating serious injuries and deaths. So that's really a, a, a good segue, I think, into Vision Zero and how important it is to, to focus on you know, that, uh, that philosophy um, that came from, from Sweden, but it's now becoming more popular here uh, within Ontario and uh, in a lot of our municipalities. And I know Good Roads and ODC, Parachute Canada, a lot of us are working together now in terms of uh, trying to get Vision Zero um, becoming more prominent with municipalities in Ontario. Yeah. And, and, and I'll just add to this, too. We all know Vision. Well, maybe we don't, but we, you and I know, Jeff, and I think Jared possibly knows just four E's to, to Vision Zero. It's education, it's engineering, um, empathy, I think is the third one, and then enforcement. Um, so enforcement is a big part of, of getting to Vision Zero and for the reasons that Jeff mentioned about reducing speed and whatnot. Um, but, you know, we know it's not feasible to have a police officer on every street or every corner. It's just right. it's 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 not a good use of police resources. And it also just costs a lot of money. If we can automate, um, you know, this enforcement process, uh, but with these with technology, with these devices, um, that essentially kind of helps us achieve one of the Vision Zero, um, I guess, you know, one of the tenets, one of the ease of Vision Zero um, without having to, you know, lean on the on the on the police uh, forces too much. Well, to and I guess I guess something else to point out, too, is that the police can't always be at that corner as well. Right. They, right. Like they've got to take breaks, washroom, food, sleep, so on and so forth. Um, right. If you had something tirelessly in that area, um, that that would work a lot more towards, uh, I guess, augmenting driver's behavior if they know it's constantly going to be there as opposed to if it is or isn't. Right, exactly. And if it's, you know, if it's there, you're not going to speed because after the first time, you probably know it's, uh, you don't want to get that ticket again. Although, right. you know, some drivers are, will, will amaze you in their uh, um, stupidity for lack of a better word, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we can call it stubbornness, I guess, if you want to, yeah. if you want to be carelessness. Nice um, yes. Yeah. Carelessness. Yeah. yeah. Carelessness is probably a good, uh, good description <laughs> of it. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Although um, it's, it's, yeah I was going to say just, but even just on that, it's, we've, we've, there's been some really wacky stories about uh, some of these devices being vandalized in some areas, even though they, they have, like I, I've heard a few in Toronto 
they kind of let people know that they're going to be there. The devices, they give them a warning. And then when they set them up, somebody comes and tries to burn it down or smash it up, which is, which is really kind of odd. But I guess we're going to be touching about the, on the negative perception of, um, ASC at, at I guess I'm not sure if that's right now, but we can talk about that. At no, time. we'll we'll um we'll we'll go into that a little bit later. Um, sure. I, I'm right now. I'm curious. I know you mentioned um, school zones and community safety zones. Uh, what are the current rules or laws around ASC? Can they de- be deployed uh, on any municipal roads, or is it just the two uh, areas? Yeah, it's just the two areas. So it's uh, community safety zones or school zones. Um, and it must be in a, a zone that's less than 80 kilometers per hour and uh, okay. not to be on a, a municipal uh, road or highway either. Sorry, uh, on a provincial. I'll be yeah, on a provincial. Yeah, backwards today. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my apologies. On a, pro- on a provincial highway or, yeah. uh, or road. Okay. So, right. Yeah. And I, and I would just, again, I would just add to that. I know, Jeff, you and I, so back back in 2021, Um, When the province was passing the Moving Ontarians More Safely Act, the MOMS Act, um, I think both OTC and Good Roads were advocating to have uh, that expanded so that these sort of ASC can be applied on any municipal road, essentially, without those restrictions of uh, community safety zones and school safety zones, Um, unsuccessfully, unfortunately, but um, hopefully something we can we can kind of keep talking about uh, with our provincial partners uh, in the future. So that's yeah, interesting. One of too. the reasons we want to focus on community safety zones is that, um, you know, there, there is that focus on safety. So we want to make sure, I think, in terms of the sustainability of programs across Ontario, is that municipalities really look at this as a road safety program. And uh, we, we never want to see it abused in any other type of way where someone might look at it and say, hey, this is potentially a great way of, earning revenue um, and setting those up in spots that they shouldn't be set up. So I think by looking at what community safety zones really are, um, I think we can identify um, within a municipality where they really make sense from from an environmental perspective, um, you know, on that road. And I mean, community safety zones and especially school zones are meant to I guess, protect the most vulnerable of users. For example, uh, as a parent with small children and a bunch of small children on my street, I've seen them run out in the middle of traffic a, a good number of more, more times than, than I'd like them to. They still need to learn. Not, not my kids specifically, they know better, <laughs> but, um, but, but I mean, even in school zones, kids are getting excited to go home, go to mommy and daddy's car and just bolt between two, and it's two cars and it's a lot easier for a car to stop at 30 kilometers an hour than it is at uh, 50 or 60. Yeah. And I think one of the problems too is that, you know, the congestion around schools. So right. Is, I, I'd say parents and teachers uh, sometimes um, can be offenders as well. I mean, they're, they're in a hurry to get to work after dropping their, their children off. Um, teachers sometimes are in a hurry to get into work as well. Um, there's then there's all that congestion around the school with parking, um, right? So we run into I think all different types of players through that uh, community who are are uh, exceeding the speed limit, but also where kids are more in danger in terms of yeah jumping out of mom or dad's car or caregiver's car, um, not necessarily paying attention to their surroundings, right? And uh, putting themselves at risk, right? Um- so that's it's interesting too that uh, it's only community safety zones and 
um, school zones because um, I know in the municipality I live in, they were testing ASE on major thoroughfares. Um, any comment on that? Are they just kicking the tires on something right now? or All I could uh, do is uh, make an assumption of what they yeah. might be doing there. A lot of times you can use similar type of equipment just for uh, speed studies. So right. to evaluate, uh, you know, the flow of traffic and the speed of traffic. I know um, it wasn't for the flow. I, I remember no, okay. specifically because um, there were a lot of people who had a lot of problems with it, um, which I guess um, can bring us on to public perception. Um, these things get a lot of negative press. Um, like you alluded to earlier, uh, people see them as a cash grab. Uh, I mean, even... The, the, the community safety zones and the school zones make a lot of sense to me. Um, they don't seem like a cash grab there, but outside of that, it, it like you said, there is they are rife for abuse. And um, uh, I, I guess what would you say to, uh, to people who have these negative connotations towards ASE? Yeah, and I guess towards municipalities, I'd say, you know, really make sure you're focused on those community safety zones. That's that's really where um, ASC is going to be effective. That's where our messaging is going to be effective. It's really difficult, I think, for someone to say, you know, I, I disagree. I shouldn't be penalized for speeding in a community safety zone where our, our kids are right. uh, riding their bikes or they're walking to school. So I think it's hard from a, a public perception um, to, to to say that to have that argument that you know I, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be charged. Um, whereas I think one of our challenges within uh, Ontario, probably even nationally, is that speeding has become socially acceptable, right? So it's unfortunate, but yep. you know when we when we look at our media, when we uh, see our ads on TV. Um, a lot of manufacturers are promoting, you know, speed indirectly by uh, how fast those cars are going, what they yeah. look like on the on the track or on the street. Yeah. Um, and we see that in social media as well. And it's becoming more prominent where, you know, younger people are posting uh, videos of high speed um, driving behaviors. Um, right. It's really that's socially should be socially unacceptable yet these young people are looking for, for likes. Yes. Yeah. yeah um, that's one true. of the other things towards that too. And um, th this is sort of new to me. It popped up when we interviewed Charles Marone last year was he also mentioned that a lot of our streets are designed to get cars to go where they need to be faster. Um, and it's sort of an, uh, not an engineering, but sort of a design flaw. Whereas Vehicles, or sorry, roads are wider, two lanes, spaced out, boulevard, and straight as a dime, all meant to get cars to where they need to go as fast as they can because we're sort of a car-centric society. Um, that, uh, and, and sociologically, we see that people will go as fast as they feel comfortable going on these streets. So to... I guess to that point, um, if, uh, well, to that point with social media as well, promoting going faster and these roads promoting going faster, um, I, I can understand why people would 
be wary of ASC expanding beyond community safety zones and uh, and school zones because everything's being geared towards getting you to go as fast as possible and now you're being told to slow down. And, and like a wide open street is one thing. You're, you want to get to the end of that street as fast as possible, but a sign is just a sign. It's, it, as we've seen, it doesn't really um, modify behavior. People will ignore those signs and then they'll take the sign from like, let's say 60 down to 50 and people will ignore that and take it down to 40. So um, I guess what you're saying is that the uh, negativity of getting a ticket, the financial implications and penalties are what's going to change people's um, habits. Yeah, for for automated speed enforcement, yes. And I think what you're getting at as well in in talking about the design of of our roads is that there's more work I think our our engineers can be doing and and they are focusing on that in terms of other solutions. So um, ASC is just one tool in the toolbox of many engineering um, resources that are available. Um, But you're right. I mean, when you design a street that... uh, is designed for 80 and then you post it at 40, um, you're going to have a challenge there. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a problem. And we need to look at, you know, a variety of, uh, of different types of solutions in order to solve that problem with ASE just being one of those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I would, I would just on that point very quickly, I would just add that when a road is designed for 80 and they post a speed limit of, you know, 50, and then there's a cop sitting there, even if it's not ASC, if it's just a cop sitting there, you know, there is a bad kind of taste left in your mouth when you feel that that's the case. If you don't want us to go that fast, then don't design the road in that way. That's right. kind of one thing. And that contributes, I think, to the negative perception of these devices. But I just, I'll just i add another point to this as well that I was going to make just a few minutes ago. Um, and I can't take credit for this, but uh, our good friend uh, Mark Wilson from Going the Extra Miles for Safety uh, Gems he, he once told me, and she had more than once proposed, that we should be rebranding the name of ASC to safety cameras because what they're doing essentially is they're there to kind of make sure that everyone's being is, is driving in a safe manner and uh, pedestrians are safe, all road users are safe, rather than having it as or naming it automated speed enforcement, which I think is an interesting kind of um, interesting suggestion because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Well, Um, I I completely agree with that as a marketing person myself, Good Roads Marketing Department. Um, It's funny because uh, if somebody gets pulled over by a cop, they, it's okay because the cop saw everything unfold. They can explain what was going on and they feel validated and listened to. But with a computer, with a box, with a camera, it's that one second in time. There is no context to it. I know, Thomas, um, in the recent uh, edition of the GRQ, you have the flow of how these tickets are sent out. Actually, if you want to go over that just a little bit, once I get to my point, that would be fantastic because that'll lead us into another point. Um, But anyway, like, yeah, even if you've got somebody taking a look at that one picture, that one snapshot in time, there's no context to it. They don't know what's going on. They don't know that you were dodging something or so on and so forth. And now you've got to go to court. You've got to pay to go to court. You've got to take a day off. You've got to explain yourself. And at the end of the day, the judge may say, too bad you're paying this. Uh, And it feels like you're being cheated. Uh, And I think that's another big reason where a lot of this negativity comes from and why uh, if 
ASC was expanded to all municipal roads, I think people would have a real big problem with that. Yeah. It's, it's one of those funny things though, as well, where, you know, people have traditionally gone to court to fight their, uh, their ticket yeah. with the off chance that the police officer doesn't show up. Uh, right. Right. So, so that was, I think most of the reason why a lot of us would fight tickets, um, as well as, you know, a, a prosecutor might uh, reduce the charges for you. So there's a number of different reasons why you would, uh, you would fight a ticket. It's often not based on the, the merit of the ticket itself. Right? right. So oftentimes, you know, Hey, if, if I was caught speeding within that zone that was marked at whatever the kilometers per hour were, I was caught. I'm, I'm guilty of that. And then often we spin off into reasons as to why. So I have an excuse, right? Or, you know, the but it, police officer shouldn't have been sitting where he was sitting. Um, but at the same time, at least if you're explaining to an officer why you did what you did, you feel validated as opposed to a machine that says too bad, see you in court. Right. And I guess it goes back, though, to that, that socially acceptable uh, yeah. philosophy, right? So we need to, I think, move towards that that um right the fine is a fine if you're speeding you're speeding um and we need to change that behavior we need to we need to follow the the posted speed limits um because that's going to help save lives completely agree um at the same time we need to make sure that the posted speed limits are acceptable for the road that you're on as well i know there in my in my community there are a bunch of roads that are like I said, straight as a dime, four lanes wide, boulevard in the center, sidewalks about 20 feet from the roads, and they're 40. It, it makes no sense to drive 40 kilometers for like a whole kilometer with, and I, I got to preface it too, with no side streets whatsoever. It's just a straight road. But I, and I mean that, uh, like if somebody was say doing 55 in there and there happened to be a cop at the end, you don't feel justified being pulled over for that. There's nobody around for miles. But again, this goes back to public perception and why people are, are have their backs up when it comes to this stuff. But um, like I was alluding to earlier, uh, Thomas did an excellent article on ASC and how the fines are doled out and everything like that. Do you want to go over that quickly? Uh I don't have that memorized off the top of my head, Jared. Oh, okay. It's complex. <laughs> that's, a, that's an MTO. Uh, that's something we talk to MTO about. Uh, we can. Yeah. We can talk about fines, though. I mean, we can talk yeah. about uh, fines being the lowest in North America, right? You know, for yeah. for Ontario. Well, my my whole point around that was that essentially it's not just a computer prints it off and mails it to you. You're done. No if ands or buts. There is actually people who look at this and determine if in fact there was an infraction or if something malfunctioned. So it, yeah. I, I'm- Yeah, and I, I can walk through that, you know, yeah. briefly in terms I, of- I'm being, I'm, being, I'm being real hard on ASE right now. I'm trying to <laughs> throw it a bone. It, yeah, it's yeah. not all doom and gloom. <laughs> no, so, so the way it works is, um, so if, if you are caught um, speeding, if, if there is an alleged offense, of speeding in a, a community safety zone or a school zone. Um, so the camera system will capture that. Um, that data is saved um, on a, right now, presently, it's on a USB stick. Um, that USB stick um, goes securely to a, a joint processing center uh, where that um, offense or alleged offense is, um, is reviewed by a provincial offenses officer. 
there's a, a date stamp on the, that ticket. There is a picture of the, um, the car. There is a blown up picture of the license plate. Um, and then there's information as well with regards to the, the location. Um, so that information is then captured in the ticket itself. And that ticket is uh, sent out to the vehicle owner. Um, and that has to be sent 23 days after the uh, alleged offense occurs. That's uh, that's in a nutshell how the uh, the ticketing process works, and then you are still able to uh, to um, go to court. Um, so you are able to either pay the fine, um, or you can uh, you can choose to uh, to have your day in court. So there will be the evidence that's presented in court. Um, so that's the you know basically the same as what you're given in terms of your uh, your uh, ticket. Um, as well, there'll be the, the, um, information with regards to the certificate of accuracy, um, for the actual camera system itself. So there's some additional evidence that's, uh, that's brought in as well, but really it's, uh, it's one of those cases where it's pretty well, you've got your picture, you're shown that, uh, <laughs> you're speeding and you're shown what the speed limit is that you're supposed to be doing. Um, and then you have your, what your what your fine is. So if they uh, if they say they saw you do what you did, yeah. there's a good chance you did do that. Yeah, <laughs> to, yeah to, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be it very difficult for you to say that uh, yeah. that you weren't speeding. So and I know it's, it's, I, I know with these ASCs, um, I, I played hockey in Toronto in the summer, so right by the arena there was an ASC there, and there is plenty of warning that it is yeah. there, what the speed limit is, and how long it's going to be there. Yeah. So, but speaking of uh, of ticketing, Jeff, why don't we talk a little bit about um, AMPS or administrative monetary penalties versus uh, the POA, um, Provincial Offenses uh, Act, uh, and 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 kind of we, we know the province you know just moved forward on that on the on the AMPS uh, allowing it for automated speed enforcement earlier this year. What 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 have you heard? What what does that mean for the municipal sector? Well, I think it, um, it's going to alleviate a lot of the, the pressure that we had on our court systems. Um, so we had, I mean, our, our courts were inundated with, uh, with all kinds of, um, all kinds of offenses pre COVID. And then we have COVID and, and the backlog that COVID, uh, um, challenged us with as well. So really our provincial offenses courts in most municipalities, um, are, yeah, highly overburdened. And if we were to say, we're going to add, you know, X number of uh, potential offenses, um, a lot of the, those courts would say, we just can't do it. It's, it's unattainable. So right. here we have a tool that can help. And on the other hand, we have the court system that says, sorry, guys, uh, sorry, people, we, we can't do that. We, we just can't accommodate it. So with the um, administrative monetary penalty system, that's going to allow municipalities to, to be able to administer um, these alleged offenses themselves. Um, there's still that opportunity for someone to um, contest uh, an offense. So there's a screening officer that they can request a, a screening officer. And then there's also a, a hearing officer after uh, the screening officer process. So there's still that opportunity for people to ask questions, um, to look at the evidence, to challenge the evidence. Um, and that's then 
administered through uh, the municipality as opposed to uh, through the Provincial Offences Act courts. So it's it's going to allow, I would say, more municipalities the availability um, to participate in automated um, speed enforcement as well as red light cameras. So it's it's going to be a very positive thing, I think, in terms of our, our access to automated enforcement in Ontario. Excellent. Um, I'm just curious, actually, uh, the revenue from these tickets, um, where does that go? Does that go to the municipality or? Yeah, so um, monies will go to the municipality, but they'll also go towards the um, uh, victim fund. Okay, so and the victim fund is? That's the, the uh, provincial um, fund that's set up for um, for for victims of i think they call it crime or or criminal offenses um, okay so that's a that's a fund that's charged by uh, the provincial government on on uh offenses and fines okay. so this is um i, I guess it, it's it's an well based on all the articles i've seen there when municipalities do test these they they hit I think some of the bigger municipalities I've seen hit 40, 50,000 offenses in their testing period. So this is initially going to be a nice little boon to, um, to their budgets. Um, but as it goes, like, I guess, as people figure it out, it's going to drop off, which, I mean, it's great that the money's staying in the community and, and helping victims of, uh, of crime as it stands. And I, I think again, when we look at the um, the speed fines, you'll you'll see that after the administration costs, there's little, if any, money left over. So when when we look okay. at uh, what is it now? I think it's uh, go to my notes here. If for less than twenty kilometers per hour over the speed limit, uh, to a fine of three dollars for each kilometer per hour. Um, so. You know, it's it's not a lot of money if you're so that's if you're doing what fifteen kilometers over, your fine's forty five dollars. So you look okay. at the administrative cost of actually um, processing that offense, and at the end of the day, there's not going to be a lot of money left over. Yeah, I can see that going up in the future because, um, as we discussed at the top of the episode, people don't learn very quickly. <laughs> So Jeff, what um, what what options do municipalities have in terms of setting up, um, you know, an AMPS program? I know I know Toronto actually runs a system on behalf of many municipalities where they process it at their kind of it's a joint processing center. Is that the only option, or are there other options for municipalities who want to um, you know set this kind of thing up in their communities? Well, especially smaller municipalities that don't have the uh, resources to do it themselves. Right, exactly. And it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, a smaller municipality may actually look at processing themselves. Um, so they require a provincial offenses officer to, to review the images. That's one of the requirements under the regulation. Um, so the options right now is there's a joint processing center in place now that's operated through the city of Toronto. Um, there is an opportunity for other joint processing centers to be uh, uh, developed. And uh, then there's the ability for a municipality to process their own um, alleged offenses. So there's those three options that are in place. Um, right now, 
the Toronto Joint Processing Centre is the only joint processing centre um, that is available. Um, but there are municipalities that are looking at different options. So we know there are um, there's discussion around other joint processing centres and there's discussions around other municipalities uh, processing um, the offences themselves. So it's a, I mean, it's, it's a big daunting task, I think, for any municipality, regardless of whether you're looking at uh, um, joining a, a joint processing centre or whether you're looking to do it yourself. I mean, it's daunting from the perspective of there's a lot of unknowns, um, yeah. right? So uh, how many how many offences are there going to be? I mean, that's that's always the number one uh, question that comes up. And that's, that's where I always start out with municipalities is what does your problem look like? Um, you need to have your data. So without your data, you can't, you can't justify that you have a problem. So first of all, get your data in place, know what your uh, offenses are going to look like. And that way you can start to look at your costs and you can evaluate your costs if you want to do it yourself in-house or if you want to uh, participate in a joint processing center. Cool. Okay. Um, with that, uh, I guess, have you seen any uh, jurisdictions or is there a documentation that shows how effective ASE is going to be or could be? Yeah, so we've got some uh, some stats. I mean, we know when we first looked at ASE, um, Saskatchewan, so they had from 2014 to 2017, they had a reduction in overall speed in school zones with average vehicle speeds down by 17% and mm -hmm. speed-related casualty collisions by 63%. Wow. Um, in Quebec, uh, when they implemented uh, ASE, uh, they had, uh, I guess it would have been 13.3 kilometers per hour um, reduction, as well as uh, crashes were down 15 to 42% um, in the ESC sites. And then uh, New York City is another uh, area that we look at in terms of jurisdiction. Actually, right. New York City was interesting, especially from that public perception. Uh, because they implemented ASE, then there was some pushback. And right. politicians decided, okay, let's let's take it away. And then <laughs> there was the the push to bring it back. Uh, right. So they actually brought it back again. So during their program in New York City, uh, they had 140 cameras, and there it reduced speeding by 63 percent and wow. pedestrian injuries by 23 percent. So there there is more and more data that's becoming available. Um, the Hospital for Sick Kids um, is doing a, a study and they've got some preliminary data that's out there. And they found that, I guess, uh, overall, they'd say the the percentage of speeding in 30 kilometer speed limit zones in Toronto dropped from 55% to 44%. Um, and in a 40 kilometer zone, it dropped from 49%. Um, so, you know, there there is that evidence now that we're seeing that ASC works. It is changing driver behavior, um, yeah. which is which is terrific. Unfortunately, we still we still see a lot of drivers, especially repetitive drivers, uh, receiving tickets. I had uh, right. I had a teacher um, call me, and she was upset. She received uh, ten. Uh, tickets wow. uh, for ASC in a school zone. 
So I, I really didn't have a lot of sympathy for her because, uh, <laughs> you know, she's at the same time supposed to be looking after our, uh, our students in school and uh, speeding in a school zone uh, probably is not a, a, a very good thing to, to have on your resume. <laughs> right. Let alone well, 10 I, times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, you know, with those uh, part three charges in Toronto, they had 103 um, they've had 103 charges, so that's over 40 kilometers per hour of stunt driving charges um, wow. since July of 2020. So, again, when we look at you know where kids can be seriously injured or killed, and the speed limits, you know when you're when you're doing more than 40, so that's what at least 70 kilometers over your yeah. your percentage of dying with someone hitting you. Uh, doing that speed is almost a hundred percent. That's incredible. And yeah. I mean, I know um, my kid's barber here, his, the street he's on, he's always complaining about people stunt driving and going way faster than the speed limit. This sounds like something that would be ideal for his area. Um, I'm not sure if it's a community safety zone, but it might be something that the municipality I'm in should be looking at. Cause I think they've, I know they've gone to narrowing the streets at certain points, but it still doesn't stop them. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, some, some more interventions. Um, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's interesting. You just kind of, when you, when you mentioned that Jared, it kind of just, my brain started working here. Um, it's, it's really interesting because if you talk to any municipal counselor and you ask them what the number one thing they hear from their constituents or the residents, it's always speeding. So like yeah. there's someone speeding on my street uh, this person isn't stopping at the stop sign, all these sorts of things. And it's it's road safety related things. But speeding is usually the, the number one. And then on the flip side, we try to implement uh, things such as ASE as a tool to kind of help reduce that. And then you hear backlash from it from the other side. Well, I don't want this. Uh, I, you know, I don't have to drive slower. It's my God given right to, to speed, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but yeah. it's just it's 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 interesting to kind of when you're when you're when you wonder why sometimes there isn't more kind of action because um, because it's a very popular amongst people who vote, especially municipal elections. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a very, very um, important topic to, to people. Yeah. But then again, as we talked about with Akash in one of the last episodes is a lot of these politicians are trying to get voted on for the next time. So they see the backlash when it comes to ASC and think, well, that's not going to get me elected. Um, but I, I think it's honestly, it's indicative of a bigger issue in terms of driving is that there are too many people on the street who sh shouldn't be driving. <laughs> I mean, I know I, I've had this rant in the office, Thomas, but, um, if, if you just look at it there, we have a popular Canadian television show called Canada's worst driver. That's gone on for 13 plus seasons. <laughs> And we don't have a problem filling spots. Like if that's not a, an indictment on the ability to get a license in this country, I don't know what is. Yeah, I think we'd solve a lot of our problems um, making making getting a license more difficult. But I mean, that's just me. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a whole that's a whole other conversation, Jared. <laughs> you know what it leads to, though, Jared, is is I think around uh, communication and education. Education being another. Uh, Right. You know, pillar in terms of the uh, the five E's. Um, so 
I think ASE starts that conversation and there is that education piece when you uh, have the warning signs, when you've got a new program in the municipality, actually even existing municipalities. Um, um, I think it's Mississauga that, that announces uh, through their media where the locations are going to be. Um, so they're, they're looking at that as a positive thing, right? So they're, yeah, they're, um, they're, they're promoting automated speed enforcement. It's really interesting because when we first launched um, ASE with municipalities in Ontario in 2019, um, we did a Facebook campaign um, and there were, there was a lot of conversation around uh, some of the things that you talked about, Jared, in terms of the, you know, perhaps not being fair. Um, right. A lot though of responses came back from other social media users um, almost criticizing um, those posts, right? And, and pointing yeah. again to safety, pointing to, you know, how important it is, pointing to their own stories. And we yeah. had um, one of the, one of the um, participants in putting together our communications story. Um, her son was actually hit by a, a car in a school zone. So it's, you know, once you start to hear about those types of stories, um, and those stories get out there, you start to really think about how this can impact, you know, you and your kids or your grandkids or, right. you know, your neighbors. Um, it, it's, it, it's a challenge that we really need to focus on, again, from a, a social perspective. And, uh, and when it happens to us, we need to be able to say, hey, I was wrong. Um, right. I, I, I agree. I shouldn't have uh, been speeding especially this through this community safety zone. And I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to change my behavior. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to drive the speed limit. Yeah, definitely. Um, and at the same time, you got to realize that they're being as fair as possible when issuing these tickets. Um, there, It's it, it's not uh, a cash grab. It, it's trying to keep people safe. And I mean, for now, um, I, I'd agree that community safety zones and school zones are not something that or sorry, are something that definitely should have these cameras. Um, when we go to wider um, use in terms of like all municipalities, it gets um, a little bit worrisome because you get the whole 1984 camera spying on you. And then um, it, people get worried about things like that, about um, every little thing. And then, and then uh we, we've got to get into designing our roads properly to accommodate these speeds, not just wide roads for the sake of wide roads, because people feel they should be going faster on that as opposed to, as opposed to just um, going what the sign says. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, it's a sign, not a cop, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other thing too, that uh, I think municipalities need to look at is, is the site selection. So where they're putting ASE, that's that's really important. And, and again, that's part of the sustainability of a program um, because we want to make sure automated speed enforcement makes sense. Um, we don't want it to be abused. I don't think it's uh, it serves anyone's interest if you know there's a, a bad apple that's out there and decides to do something that is contrary to um, you know either the legislation, the regulation, or the intent of any of those two. So I think, you know, when you look at the site selection, there's things like the exposure, um, prior collisions, the environment itself. So what's around, you know, I've got a, an area around me that, that has a bridge, you know, so that the road dips down under the bridge, 
and then there's the school. Um, so it's it's a it's an environment that you look at and say, hey, you know, that might be a great environment for automated speed enforcement. But then you also have to look and say, well, potentially, yes, it's great. But on the other hand, from the putting up the equipment, um, there's not a, a good place to put that equipment. Um, signage is difficult too in that area. So we need to be fair. We need to be, you know, we, we need to be um, transparent in terms of where we're putting our signage. Um, exactly. And that they aren't perceived to be those kind of speed traps. We look at speed data, we look at um, public input, and then we also look at um, enforcement input. So, you know, looking to our police services for for their input on where automated speed enforcement has traditionally been a problem, maybe where it's a challenge for them. So they're not able to capture the, the speeders um, the way that they want to. And how can then ASE help um, Fantastic, from that perspective? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a terrific point. And in the end, this is um, this is all about safety. And um, I guess uh, for the last question, um, you uh, you had a webinar on Friday. Um, I, I take it you had a and A at the end of that. We did, yes. What was the best question you got out of that? Oh, the best question. Um, geez, put you on, <laughs> on the spot, spot. here, Jerry. Just trying to think of what the questions all were. There, there were some great questions. This was probably one of the best interactive sessions we had. So it was almost, it was almost a continuous um, question and answer period. Um, you know, we do have questions with regards to resources. So, right. you know, what what do resources look like for a municipality in terms of uh, an automated speed enforcement program, and are they, you know, inhibitive? And I guess, you know, looking at the answer to that, again, it goes to the data. So depends on how big your problem is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to affect your costs. Um, also, the number of cameras that you're looking at um, and who's going to be processing, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're using the joint processing center. So that's always a big question. But the other thing is, I know, uh, I guess Durham Region is an example where they've got dedicated people uh, for their program. So where you actually are putting staff resources into to automated speed enforcement. So looking at the locations, looking at the data, um, moving those cameras around, moving your signage right. around. Um, there, there is some work to be done with regards to that. Um, so, so those are some considerations in terms of that question and answer that, uh, that came up. Okay. Um, is that uh, available to be viewed or is that, is it just done now the uh, webinar? Yep, that's available. Um, we're providing that to our, our uh, municipal members and okay. uh, we'll extend that to your municipal members as well. Good Roads Association was uh, uh, helped put that presentation on and we appreciate your support in doing that. Awesome. Yeah, if you want to send me the link, I can put it in the show notes uh, afterwards. Sounds great. But anyway, um, that seems like a, a pretty logical point to end on. Uh, Jeff, thanks for spending the time uh, to sit down with us and clear the air about uh, ASE and some of the outcomes municipalities hope to achieve to keep uh, children and some of the more vulnerable road users safe. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up there. So everybody be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and now Instagram for up-to-date information on everything happening on Good Roads. You can see some of our pictures from Advocacy Day uh, up on Instagram and Twitter. We had a lot of fun down there talking with the MPPs uh, at Queen's Park. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, give the video a thumbs up and remember to subscribe because it's not just the podcast that goes up here. We offer a ton of great content to help you run your municipality as efficiently as possible. 
Also leave a comment, give us your feedback. We love to hear from you and it feeds the algorithm. And uh, before we wrap it up, I just want to point out that as of this December, this podcast has been running for three years, which is a bigger feat than I think either Thomas or myself (laughs) thought when we started. Uh, We've enjoyed chatting with a myriad of uh, interesting people about a wide wide range of uh, municipal topics and uh, have enjoyed hearing your feedback. Uh, Believe us when we say we have a lot of great interviews and topics of conversation in store for the new year, which is just the tip of the iceberg that is all of the good stuff Good Roads is working on to help municipalities succeed. Uh, With that in mind, we here at Good Roads hope uh, everyone has a safe and happy holiday season, and we look forward to getting back in the new year with some great content and, of course, the Good Roads Conference now in April right around the corner. But until then, everybody, take it easy.